we're back. Sad intellectual hotties. Yeah. Me, APOC, and, and Cass. We are here. We are here doing the thing. Coming back at you two weeks in a row. This is a real Woo! Here. Um, yes, we're back. And today, um, me being the bratty sub, we're doing a little role reversal here where I'm going to try to steer the ship. And because I, you know, read a couple articles this week, as I do, um, and one thing that I was interested in and that has been kind of the talk of the town is, uh, so a couple of things folded in together here, but we're having a little sex. Not, not, uh, APOC and I, we are having <laughs> enough sex, <laughs> but we as maybe as Americans, as a generation, as, as we, the people, <laughs> we, the people. We the people, not the royal we as in me, yes, not I, um, but <laughs> <laughs> certainly not I, but um, I'm doing great. But no, we, we as, <laughs> just in case you wanted to know, um, no, we as Americans, so we're, so the birth rate is down and that's been kind of a big, a big thing that we're, we're talking about, but also just the, the frequency with which we are having sex. And this is uh, for those of you who are thinking, well, yeah, COVID pandemic. Um, so the data that we're going off of is, or that a lot of people are going off to, off of is comparing the year 2000 to 2002, comparing that little group of years to 2016 to 2018. So this is pre-pandemic. Pre-COVID, okay. Pre-COVID numbers indicating that we are having um, less sex. I would imagine it's gotten worse. Yes, probably. Not better. Probably. Um, I haven't looked at that data yet, but we're having we're having less sex and both married, so both coupled and uncoupled people um, so there's more just singles opting out or not having sex. And then also married couples, their amount of weekly sex has been going down. Yeah. I, I like that Netflix and chill really literally means we're just going to lay around. <laughs> like we're not actually going to be fucking. <laughs> Everyone's just Netflixing. We're, we're, we're not even horny enough to, to bother doing the, yeah, the Netflix and chilling. We're chill just, just means chill. Chill just actually means <laughs> lying around and doing nothing. Um, so the thing that so the thing that struck me, and I think there are a lot of different reasons for this. So Joe was intimating towards um, something that we we kind of talk a little bit about here and there. But there's tons of reasons why this could be happening. Some of them being like biological. But the one of the articles that caught my eye this week, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting. So Jacob Falkovich wrote this article called "The Sex Negative Society for Quillette, If you want to read it, um, but one of his things was like, "Hey, like we're having less sex." in this supposedly sex positive society right so let's kind of examine that underlying assumption hmm. um so here yeah he examines this like hey you know we're supposedly this promoting a sex positive culture and this is what we're doing and we're more permissive than ever and we're more sexually liberated than ever so kind of what is you know then what's the deal with we're not why aren't we fucking kind of thing why isn't it happening <laughs> why isn't it happening um and so one of the one of the things that kind of um struck me is that you know um how every subculture within america actually on its face seems pretty sex negative right so go on uh i i enjoyed reading the first i saw the first two groups that are sex negative the the conservatives and the progressives <laughs> and then i saw the third one was the red pills mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't see the rest so i'm curious to hear about this yeah so conservatives conservatives kind of on its having the reputation for being you know quote unquote sex negative because they're uh, for a lot of for a lot of reasons in that they're interested in basically just making you wait until you're married or for religious reasons. Being yeah, like, go back to our first episode, purity culture, pretty much. 
That's yeah, it. That's they're why. they're interested in pre- they're interested in preventing the harms that could come with doing sex irresponsibly, basically, and they take this to an extreme where you know people probably aren't having pleasurable sex at all or just not having sex until they're married. But then with the he goes on to say even with prog- the progressives are are sex negative because you know uh, even though there is this kind of permission giving or something to have sex, they're still progressives are obsessed with eliminating harm and and risk through things like affirmative consent they're obsessed with you know the uh, you know they turn kind of any age gap into like a sort of grooming discourse they're sh- they're still yeah. kind of inundated with all of the negative possibilities that could come from from sex as well they're not really focused i think on the on the pleasures or, or possibilities of, of sex either no what no do you think about that it seems like it's like certain certain types of people need to have the stage for their sexual expression and and nobody's allowed to say anything about it and you definitely can't say that you like it or enjoy it and if you do then you're a predator and you're sort of reminding everybody here of the violence that can happen toward people and especially sexual minorities and women through their sexual expression by you saying that you're turned on by them sexually expressing themselves. <laughs> like, like okay, violence can happen and we're all traumatized by remembering that violence and trauma are like sort of this, this uh, lens by which we see the sexual experiences. Yeah, and so it's like uh, the the left thinks that it has this sort of like the monopoly on being sex positive when actually each subculture just has its little rules about what makes sex permissible. Right. Not about what makes it like pleasurable or worth having. And so I think this is like maybe one, you know, reason why there might be less less frequency with sex. And then, of course, he goes on to talk about like the the red pill dudes thinking you know manosphere extreme dudes you know not viewing sex as being viewing sex through a more negative lens and it not being a pleasurable thing but being kind of just this uh game power game dominance thing which it's like a point it's like points that you gain on a game of working your way up a status hierarchy or something like that like you you get access to more sex but that doesn't mean you like it or even want it but you get access to it you're using it against the women pretty much and it's a, it's a whole game right i mean yeah. that's that's how red pillars are yeah from what i can tell from what i can tell that is like they want to have sex but it's sort of like also shrouded in shame and disgust in a lot of ways and so the rules for the way you can engage in sex with women are very strict and very rigid well and the, i think there's like an underlying resentment or anger at women because we do hold like the cards as far as we're we're the arbiters we're and, the like, ones we who get to say the, yes yes we're, we're the arbiters of mate choice and we you know we're the ones yeah. saying yes or no because t- men tend to just you know want to have sex more frequently and we're the ones that kind of you know quote unquote stand in the way of that or whatever so they're obsessed <laughs> they're obsessed and obs- and upset about us having our natural born right to be like you know yeah to sorry who is like having sex and so they kind Kind of are they're really into like trying to you know they get really into you know seduction games or like they go yes. to those fucking workshops and yes. try to like figure out the ways to like trick women into having sex with them so they can be like ha 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 and then like not talk to them anymore or whatever right and like if you wear makeup you're you're tricking somebody into thinking that you're more attractive than you actually are right. and like there's a lot of it there is like a lot of sort of really perverse versions of purity culture i feel like in the red pill culture like 
It's like seeing women at like all women are sluts or all women are liars or, you know, it's just the opposite of the men are trash narrative, I think, really, probably. Yeah. And it's also just like some evolutionary psychology, like base knowledge gone awry. It's it's really it's really odd. Um, So, yeah, they're not having a good time. They're not being sex positive. Politicians clearly don't care about you having pleasure at all. They don't know. They I think politicians probably know the least about um, the clitoris. (laughs) Sorry. For my Just own like- study. For my own study, my own qualitative data analysis. They know the least. <laughs> That's true. About the clitoris. I mean, come on. Do Does it seem like they know about the clitoris? It doesn't. It doesn't seem like most... Yeah, no, it doesn't seem like most people know. <laughs> <laughs> really great book by Lori Menz, Just shameless plug called Becoming Clitorate that if you want... Or if you're interested in... Uh, women Becoming clitorate. You should, yeah, which is a great title too. You the should, clitoris you is five that. inches long. Okay, that's the best. <laughs> it's why what? It's five inches long. Oh yeah. Well yeah, it goes. Uh, it's not just the head, you know. Right. Whatever. It's got a little. Well, it's got a lot going on. There is. Yes. And I, I, I bet no politician knows <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh, I mean, hopefully, some like lady politicians know about that. I don't know. Oh, okay. Right. The ones that are women. Ideally, hopefully they do know. Hopefully, hopefully they're flicking their beans. I don't um, have a lot of faith, but go continue. No. Go on. Uh, yeah. Um, and then... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, this totally. is what happens when I drive. It should never happen again. No, it's good. Um, but it's with, good. It's fun. Then he talks about corporate. So corporate culture also being another fucking area that is abysmally disinterested in you have... not. They don't even want you to have sex. They're basically shaming you out of even like office flirtation now i mean it's all just like sensitivity trainings and all of the ways in which you can upset somebody by you know showing even a minor amount of of interest in them um yeah so it's all kind of this this risk reduction harm reduction sort of thing that it's like beyond harm reduction (laughs) no i mean i agree but that's like yeah well, and it's funny because I've taken like a million sex, which, and I always think it's funny that they make like me take the sexual assault trainings. Um, though I mean, you know, I'm perverted, I guess, but I usually can contain myself in a in a place of work. But like, I've taken so many of these different trainings for school, and it's just like more and more clear to me the more of them that I take that it's like it's that bureaucratic fucking thing where it's like they're so they're clearly just interested in the appearance. Yeah. Of caring oh, and yeah. not the appearance of efficacy yes. rather than actually being efficacious about anything that they pretend to care about. And so it's like, yes. that's just at bottom what seems to be happening, I think, with the larger systems as far as like politics or, or corporate culture or education, you know, academia. It's like, we're going to... It, we're going to try to like legislate this and appear to care about things, but the actual content or the actual outcomes like don't even prove to be that effective anyway. No, I think they're just trying to mitigate litigation. Yeah, it's all about. So it's like why? And then you have to like sit down and think about, OK, the people that are supposedly caring about you or trying to teach you about sex have zero interest <clears throat> in you having sex 
or having good sex, I mean, let alone that. Yeah. It's all about eliminating liability. So it's like the people that are teaching you supposedly about sex are profoundly disinterested in you having it or you having good sex. And that seems to me like a fucking problem. That seems unethical, frankly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I don't really want you to do this. And I don't and I don't care if you do. And I don't really care about you. But here, I'm going to tell you how to live your life. <laughs> Well, yeah, and it's like, I'd ra- then I'd rather you just, like, keep your fucking mouth shut about it, almost. I mean, it's just kind of like, you know... what? Can't we just sign waivers? What happened to signing waivers? Is that... Well, it's not we've, enough. We've, we've ta- and, and it's like, we've taken, we've taken the problem of, you know, of... We've taken the real problem of violence yes. and assault, and we've... Yes, and harassment, yes. Mm-hmm. And the prescriptions that we have for it, I don't even know if they've necessarily done anything to... I think it's been more just like the larger civilizing process, but I mean, you, we've kind of, we've kind of overshot, I think, and thrown the baby out with the bathwater. It's like, okay, maybe we're preventing some harm, but it's like, at what, at what cost? I mean, if, the, if, if yeah. the society doesn't like, I mean, with, with people not having sex or like the lower birth rate, I mean, the name of the game as, as a species is like survive and reproduce. So, I mean, if you're perpetuating cultures and narratives that are maladaptive to that, that are literally like, a, I mean, antinatalism is on the right, that, which is fucking, as far as I'm concerned, literally a death cult. So, I mean, if you're, if you're, what, and what is antinatalism? Like, don't have kids, you shouldn't have kids. It's unethical to me... have children, don't have kids because I can't oh. believe you would bring a kid into this like fucked up world Horrible kind of thing. World. The more ethical choice is to opt out it's you're like a you know yeah it's like it's like it's it's like like a branch of environmentalism is that right it's it's tied into that for sure yeah there are other like philosophical insane positions for for being an antinatalist but the the problems with the environment or overpopulation or whatever is is one of them yeah um sad intellectual hotties is not about conspiracies so i won't bring up some of the things that i think that that's related to but (laughs) Um, yeah, bo- it's all, it all episode. plays, it all plays a role and it's, it does seem to be geared toward preventing people from having kids and also just having ecstasy in their lives. Yeah. <laughs> like being lifelike, like the sex, I'm like, is there something even past negative? Like this, it's like the sex void corporate culture, like people aren't allowed to have any life force. There's no vitality. It's completely like you have to sort of be a zombie person in order to be here. And that is stifling for people. And people wonder why millennials quit their job all the time and, and are rejecting corporate culture. And that's why. It's not, it's not humane. I think that's a big reason why. And I think that what's especially shitty and kind of insidious about that is that you have that up against... Um, the sort of uh, the way that capitalism pretends to sell sex positivity oh, God, or the yeah. way that the culture pretends to sell sex <laughs> positivity when it's not and body selling positivity you, as well. Yeah, when it's not selling you sex positivity, it's it's selling you sex products. appeal. It's also selling you products. But it, but it's like, yeah, well, yeah, of course, that's, the, of course, yes. But like through the lens of like, right, right, if right, you right, buy right. this thing, you're going to be more, whatever. But it's like, sexy. but like, you know, and... It's like there's nothing there's nothing necessarily inherently teaching you about what makes for good sex or how to have pleasurable sex like looking hot or having sex appeal or buying things or creating a culture where we're obsessed with like how we proving look. ourselves he makes this point to be like worthy of having sex like yes. okay you're worthy you're worthy to have sex now because you look a certain you way or you act a certain way or whatever that doesn't 
automatically buy you into having good sex. Actually having it. Or actually, I mean, well, I think more likely to have it perhaps, but that's clearly not happening either. I think that since we live in the world of, you know, Instagram and, and social media and like what you're saying, proving ourselves worthy enough to be attractive, to be desired and to have sex, that's actually the means to the end. Like the end is to be worthy enough for sex. The end is not to have it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, what people are doing on the internet so much it's like well i look hot i'm beautiful i look hot i'm beautiful but don't try to have sex with me (laughs) because it's definitely not what i'm doing i'm definitely not trying to get anyone to fuck me i'm just looking hot and it's like well but what's the point of looking hot at a certain i mean like sure yes when i look in the mirror and i look pretty i'm like hey girl you know it's it makes me feel good inside and yeah we talk about beautyism and whatever else the more attractive you are the more nice people are to you frankly yeah and until you reach the cultural culture of people who are now mean to people who are attractive but that's a whole other conversation but um it that's that's all it is is just to to get pretty privilege yeah and and being yeah again like you were saying like being being hot like buys you the ticket but you don't necessarily have a good time at the concert you don't take the ride you know what i'm saying (laughs) it's not like hot people necessarily have like better or or more or more pleasurable sex like maybe they have more frequent sex maybe not the numbers don't really necessarily indicate that they have more access but it's like Nothing in the culture is like telling you, you know, how to have a good time because no one cares if you're actually having a good time. The people that are they're trying to sell you kind of on on something else. And a lot of it, I think, is just the like you were saying, the the identity points or like that those the likes or the little dopamine hits that come with like, well, I'm hot and people like my photos and therefore that's the end of the game or whatever. And then right. I'm going to read the quote because it's really good Um, as far as like him kind of calling out the left a little bit. Read it. So he says, uh, one gets the sense that in a progressive utopia, everyone flaunts their sexuality as an identity marker, but no one goes so far as to actually flirt or sleep with anybody. So people are too busy building identities and ideologies around sex to actually even bother having it as far as I can tell. Yes. I think that's a huge piece of it. And and unfortunately, the biggest thing that I think we're missing in sex positive society is teaching people how to deal with propositions. We don't actually teach people like, if you get propositioned, here's what you do. Versus don't proposition anybody. Don't proposition. Don't proposition. You can't proposition. You don't have permission to proposition. You need to find out you have position. You, like, you have to ask permission to propose and it's just like okay no like the proposition (laughs) is the permission like that is the asking like is it okay if i proposition you like okay just like stop that's not cute at all no (laughs) and like why aren't we teaching people first of all what that even means so being you know proposition is somebody asking you if you're interested in, in engaging with them in like a flirtatious way or possibly having sex with them or dating them or whatever like that's a proposition like we're not teaching women that a man expressing like joe said you nailed it you look great today or whatever like that that's you could also just say thank you and move on with your fucking day (laughs) or or you could be like oh hey you're handsome like you look nice today too or or whatever or like exchange pleasantries and then move on or 
Or if you're really not interested, I mean, to me, it's like, thank you. And then you're going to like turn your energy completely in the opposite direction and possibly like move physically out of the way. But it's not like, oh, no, I got to move because this person's stalking me now. Like it, <laughs> it doesn't actually have to go from zero to 60 like that right away. Yeah. But I and I think that going back to the kind of progressive narrative about well, if you do say no to a proposition, they might kill you. And that's like kind of the, that's the cloud that's kind of raining over. And sure, there have been times where someone has refused sex, I'm guessing, and they've been murdered. Like, sure, that there are times that we can point to that that has happened. But most of the time, if you confidently look someone in the eye and kind of be like, I'm not interested and move on, they'll be like, oh, that person has a boundary that I have to respect. And then you just kind of move on with your day. But people aren't taught to do that. It's like, well, whatever feelings that person has about you looking him in the eye and saying, I'm not interested and then moving on, that's their problem. You don't have to, if they start having a tantrum, you just keep walking or whatever. Like, yeah. And if you really feel unsafe, then sure, get in your car and leave. Or like there's there, but having that wherewithal within oneself to make that choice in the moment, none of that is, is given to people. None of that's shown to people, I feel like. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that because it's just, it's coming from, it's, it's like trying to, it's trying to, uh, the point of interdiction is like too soon in that, in like the problem. It's like, well, we're just going to like, Ask permission to proposition or we're just not going to proposition at work at all anymore because it's totally inappropriate and going to lead to assault or we're just like not we're just not going to do any of it and you guys just kind of like maybe figure that out on your own time when you're like not nine to five like nine to fiving and doing the whole thing it's like when do people even have time to like but then even when you're out in a bar and stuff and it's like in the place that that usually would be like a socially acceptable thing the energy certainly seems to have like shifted when it's like okay well then like when is when time. can you propose it? When, yeah. you, when can you hit on someone or flirt with someone? Or when can you let someone know that you want you want to know them? Apparently, in a more it's deep all way? it's all supposed to be entirely mediated online now, which is not necessarily the best way to know if you actually want to have sex with somebody. I'm sorry, but it's just kind of like. And I, I know this because I've done it. I mean, I've had I've had times where it's like I've you're gone on online yeah, dating, dating apps like, okay, many, is, many times. This is the thing that we do now. We like, you know, we're <clears> swiping around pictures. We're swiping around. We're just like, hey, this guy's hot. OK, he like doesn't seem too dumb when I like try to talk with him on the little thing. And yeah. then it's like, OK, like, yeah, you great. have your metrics. <laughs> yeah, you have everyone has their metrics. But it's like there that that's nothing. to, And then you that's nothing to say that when you actually meet with them, in person that you're still going to be interested in them and then that leads to like a whole other thing because it's like well then you have to we did the them, we right? did the safe propositioning when we were both in our bedrooms and talking to each other through the fucking app but then you know like i said yes kind of to like meet up with him and we planned on having sex and we talked about it but of course then you like the pheromones are off or the fucking vibe is off or it's just awkward or whatever and then you don't want to and then chemistry is a thing it is a thing and and I think that whether women admit this or not, we know pretty much like within moments of meeting somebody if we would fuck them or not. So I don't know. <clears throat> Some guys got skills. So and they'll they'll turn. You're saying they'll turn you into they'll they'll make you want to fuck them even if you don't know right away if you yeah. do or not. I've witnessed it. You've yeah. witnessed it. I mean, I 
I, for me personally, it's 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 like a very fast like yes I would fuck you no I wouldn't fuck you and then like sure we we just keep hanging out and usually the people in the no category don't turn into a yes for me so I'll speak for myself. Yeah, I'm going to when we get to the next article too. I think maybe it's more like a yes or a probably or a yes or a maybe and then a no. I think I so think maybes a- can turn into yeses sometimes. I think most of the time. A lot of the time for women, it's actually maybe. I think that that's, we're so, we're, and this is, this, uh, we're jumping a little bit ahead, but that's fine. Um, but the, the affirmative consent narrative is predicated upon, especially women, knowing in advance and moment to moment if it's yes or if it's no. Right. This is not how... No. desire works this is not how arousal works That's especially true. for women That's when true. we do even when we do research like this is not functionally how desire and arousal work in the bodies and in the minds the psychology of women right it's not this binary yes or no it's not this on or off flip of the switch totally. very often it is maybe we'll and i see. could be convinced if you you know do and right. but people completely <laughs> Like that's fucking heresy nowadays to say. You could convince me. No, to fuck you. yeah, because no one wants to be an adult and verbally cop to the fact that we seduction involves some small aspect of coercion. Like it's a form of it. You know, it's like it's like it's not like you know. You send your representative in, like, like when you're sedu- when you're seducing someone, you don't say like, "Hey, everybody, I've got a five forty tax credit, you know, tax score or whatever credit score," or like, "Hey, I have a lot of baggage with my mother." You come in being like, <laughs> you come in being like, "Hey, like, I'm here to party, yeah. and like, this is the healthy version of myself that I'm presenting to you," and and that, yeah, is not entirely forthright i guess because that's not sexy to come in with baggage yeah and i mean your baggage over there you pick it up later you know what i'm saying well and that and i think that's just part of the the discerning function of female sexuality and like mate choice is like the answer is usually is usually maybe and if it's no then it's no i mean when someone when you're truly not like you were saying when it's no and you're truly unattracted to someone and that's just like never gonna happen right usually like pretty clear but often it is kind of like maybe we'll see what happens we'll see how this goes and that kind of evolves and like unfolds based upon their their game now that we're unpacking it you're right my yeses are actually maybes because if i start talking to you and you say something stupid or whatever then (laughs) it turns into a no you're right you're totally right but no's for me don't usually turn into yes yeah that's and that's because i'm shallow and i look at the person's face and body and whatever else and like if if it's not something i'm down for i'm not down for it that's what i mean that's what everybody does whether they're willing to admit that or not i mean that's that i mean uh like even when we even when we do studies on this it's just kind of like uh women tend to be a little bit more interested in in facial attractiveness of of i am for sure i am too and then men are more interested in kind of like the whole thing but everybody values everybody values physical attractiveness and you know people are just like well men value it more and it's like yeah the difference isn't as large as you would think and we're yes a little bit more interested in like facial facial attractiveness than the whole the whole thing but it's like every everybody fucking cares about this because there are indicators of physical attractiveness are can can be kind of the the proxy indicators of of health to genetic fitfulness yeah exactly right fitness yeah. that's um which i'm sure that's gonna upset people 
but it's true yeah I, it's not like it doesn't it doesn't make me feel like warm and fuzzy inside it's just kind of like it's just reality you like that we're animals and we're selecting for certain things whether we realize it or not and i i would say that it's possible that there are times when women may overlook how someone looks because they're more interested in other transactional properties of the relationship yeah sure like i mean men might do it too or whatever but like sure if you've got an ugly dude who's gonna pay all your bills and maybe he's got a really great dick then whatever like you're not you're not what worried so much about him being ugly. Cassandra. And his what personality. Really funny? I'm like, money and dick. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> no, I, I love a good personality. I do. I... On a handsome man with a good dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I'm just, I'm just playing around. No, not really, but no, like a I know. Bit. And, and... <laughs> well, look, like. I'm what? just being funny, like, really. Well, and I mean, if you can get those things, then you, which, which you did, like you know, fucking totally round of applause. sure, I don't yeah. Know. Like if you your standards can be as high as you want them to be, if you can, if it doesn't prevent you from attaining your goals, and if they're consistently not attaining your goals, and you discover your standards are too high, you might have to adjust them or improve yourself or whatever. But it's just kind of like. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with having those preferences. If you can fucking make it happen, then you should totally. make it happen. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, and I've had fun relationships with guys that maybe didn't have all three, and it was still great and wonderful. And like, yeah. it, there was enough of what I wanted there, and it worked out. Trade offs, baby. Yeah. It's all about trade offs. Yeah. Um, uh, I had a question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you think that part of the online, um, the online world, and uh, the standards that are created with that are contributing to people not having sex because there is a standard. And we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but a standard in your mind of all these boxes that you can check before you're going to fuck That I think that that makes it worse because it's very easy to judge a book by its cover online. Like, I mean, when I was on online dating apps, I, for a long time, didn't date anybody. I might have said this before on the pod. I literally swiped away from anyone who was under six feet. Like, I wouldn't even look at their profile. I wouldn't look at anything unless they were, unless they were six feet or taller. And one time I went out on a date with a guy. So it was, like, really funny because I totally validated my own, like, rules by going out on a date with a guy who didn't have his height at all listed and he was like five four he was tiny and he would like i was i was big way bigger than him and at the time that like wouldn't have i wasn't into that my husband is under six feet and we have a great time and i love being like really kind of almost face to face with him so i learned we also met in person so there was like a vibe and it was like he was very he is very handsome and sexy and like he has this you know he has what i like but if we had been trying to meet online i totally would have swiped by him yeah, I would say that the and the stats on that are also pretty clear um, when we look at like Tinder stats and stuff. Like the these the the sexual marketplace being compl- like almost completely online now is much harder um, on men than it is on women because men swipe right like way more than than women do. They're like, I, mean, I the, would do her. <laughs> yeah, because well, yeah, the the bar the bar when we're just talking about short term casual hookups, which is what a lot of people are using the apps for and doing now. I mean, the bar is much in and always always has been, and so that kind of natural sex difference is just amplified. 
right when we're going off when there's when there's no in-person interaction when when you're kind of all of those little uh, those little uh, i don't know the, the je ne sais quoi the little like fucking idiosyncrasies or the little vibes or the pheromones when the none cute of that little is dimple thing that someone does when they hear a question that interests them or like you know yeah, like you said the, all the stuff that makes us um interesting in person <laughs> yeah because you're you're not i mean you're not you're not who you you know, you're, you're, it's your avatar. Yes, an avatar. It's an avatar. It's not who you actually are. And so I would, I, <laughs> I would hope your most redeeming qualities can't be witnessed by your fucking Tinder app. I don't know. But if they are, <laughs> then maybe that's also a problem. But yeah, so I think that that yeah. differentially impacts, impacts men and women. Um, and that that is also another reason why there is more kind of maybe infrequent infrequent sex happening and then also probably a lot of um a lot of bad sex because i think that for for men and women um the the potential to have a good time and a good sexual interaction usually increases with um knowing knowing the person and communicating with the person like men men orgasm just with much more frequency so if that's kind of like the goal or or how you're measuring pleasurable sex i mean like men are generally going to get off and then you know with like a one night stand sort of thing it's um that's often not the case for for women and so it's kind of like i think that there are also maybe some situations where you know i i I did this and i think to some extent you did this where it's like women will try to kind of play this new game online and then discover like hey i'm not actually having that good of a time and so i'm just going to go back to like you know getting to getting to know people meeting people in person meeting people in person getting to know somebody more before i have i have sex with them you know and usually kind of yielding i think better better outcomes for for women and that's kind of i maybe one of the reasons why we're so discerning and it's it's a chicken or egg kind of thing but it's like hey you know i'm not i'm not if i was guaranteed like this fucking awesome experience every time i like fucked some random person then like i would probably be like fucking more random people but it's like for women that's just not really how it works i think for a lot of reasons and one of them like you were saying like you know a lot of people just aren't uh educated about how to make women come and about clitoris about the it's about the clitoris on the clitoris um (laughs) (laughs) yeah or even i mean i think it's two there are two things at play and one of them is yes just the abysmal lack of good sex education and how to pleasure each other on both sides or on all sides and then there's also the lies that women maybe not lies but the heavy heavy emphasis and i think distortion of the necessity of marriage and and that that good pleasurable sex can really only occur in a long-term relationship and that's the only way that you're valuable so women i think are oftentimes under the impression even in a one night stand scenario that there is supposed to be some sort of there's supposed to be more getting to know you or something where so they don't i don't think women feel as as capable of advocating for themselves in that scenario because they don't know the person very well yeah so so it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot working against women in getting to have an orgasm in a one night stand not just not just the fact that the guy might not be skilled well, yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm sorry, but it's like with that kind of like low entry investment, like he he doesn't necessarily have a ton of motivation to be skilled, to be skilled, or to 
because every woman is also kind of or like to a use little bit skills. different or to like use his skills or to like learn you know if if the thing is just like hey like we're we're all just we're we kind just of gonna... using each other's bodies to masturbate here and we're, we're just here to kind of like get off and like have a good time or whatever i mean then like yeah like part i i think that part of the reason i would say most women have better sex in longer term relationships or when the person is actually invested in them because there there are yes it is easier for women to communicate their desires and needs because the space feels safer you know yeah it's hard for women to say no it's also hard for women to say yes it's like a whole fucking thing yes but then you know we're just not supposed to say anything we're just like, <laughs> that's it that's all that happens starfish baby <laughs> <laughs> just pillow princessing just a sea of starfish um <laughs> no but yeah i think i think that that's so I think I wonder to what extent it is a lie to tell women that they can't that they're not going to have great. I think it's a lie to say that if you wait until sex and then you or you wait until marriage to have sex, excuse me, that it's going to be better or great or this magical thing. I think it's also a lie to tell women that like, hey, if you just go out and like fuck around and have one night stands, you're going to have great sex. Like I think totally. The- yeah, I wouldn't ever say that. <laughs> I definitely would never say that. I would say that there are conversations we can have about mitigating, you know, or um, tempering expectations or, or like if you do want to have a one night stand and have it go really well for you, then you are going to have to c- demand something or maybe not demand, but you are going to have to advocate for yourself. Or I think that there are things that we could show people and teach people that might increase their pleasure in those scenarios. I also think that a lot of people go into one night stands thinking that maybe it will turn into true love and then the sexual experience really sucks and so it's like majorly a turn off and so that just sort of people go their separate way after that. Yeah. Because I feel like there are times when people have a one night stand and then they get married and they date forever and it's it's like that sort of magical moment where people actually clicked and it was great and it went well. Um, so we hear about those stories too, and it wasn't a one night stand, but it sort of was supposed to be one, but then it ended up not being mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. You know, be, oh, well, I we fucked on the first date, ha ha ha! It ended up working out for us, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that does happen. Um, so I, I don't know if if the answer is that we need to be clear on what we want before we start engaging in the marketplace in the first place. Maybe that might help a little bit too, or do we know what we want too well, and we need to like just start playing and and see what happens i think that that's a big part of it and that's kind of like what the the next article kind of gets into to hear the conclusions reached in this episode as well as other episodes in their entirety you can subscribe at sadintellectualhotties.com that's sadintellectualhotties.com